Welcome to the J. Scott Outdoors podcast. I am actually recording here from Nashville, Tennessee. I'm in the airport. Uh, I just got uh, done with the National Wild Turkey Federation Convention. And um, it's about uh, 7.30 in the morning, Nashville, Tennessee time here. I guess that's central time. And uh, had, had a great opportunity to watch a friend of mine uh, Bo Brooks, uh, Casey Brooks' son, uh, Bo, uh, called in the Intermediate Division of the National Wild Turkey Federation um, calling contest, and uh, he was able to, uh, out of 15 contestants, he finished fourth, and I got a nice big trophy, and it's great to see the progress he's made in his own uh, turkey hunting, and or excuse me, turkey calling. He's come a long ways, and um, a couple of those kids, uh, even in the Polt division, the young division, uh, the the younger division, I should say, and the juniors, um, just uh, amazing callers. Some of them could call in the pro division. They're so good. So it's awesome to see uh, the young talent uh, doing their thing, and um, Bo came all the way from Washington uh, him and his family to uh, compete and uh, he did a great job and got a big old trophy and I'm proud of him so I want to shout out to him uh, he makes his own uh, turkey calls makes his own elk calls and uh, I actually uh, haven't used his turkey calls yet but I used his mouth diaphragms a lot uh, this this season and um really like the single lady. It's a single read call that he has. He also makes doubles and triples, but the I've always been kind of a single read uh, guy, and um, so I'm anxious to try out the turkey calls as well. Uh, we've got, you know, one of the things with me coming to the show at National Wild Turkey Federation is that it's, for the last several years, it's been at the same time uh, as... The, the NWTF and the Western Hunting Expo have been at the same time. And uh, last year I went to the Western Hunting Expo, and that's such a great show. And I hated to miss that show, uh, but uh, also hate to miss NWTF. So I understand next year the um, shows are going to be staggered, so hopefully I'll be able to attend both. Uh, I wanted to take time here on this podcast this morning while I had some time here in the airport just to answer a few questions uh, uh, from listeners and um, see if I could provide some value here this morning. This is a uh, question from Stephen Sparacia. He says, Jay, thank you for all the helpful information you provide on your podcast. Uh, You have helped me sharpen my skills in the field. I know you have had some recent podcasts answering questions about the elk draw, and it's much appreciated. I was wondering what your thoughts are on the dates this year. Uh, The archery hunt starts on September 15th in Arizona, and I put in for Unit 5A with six points. I will only be able to take one week off of work if I'm drawn. Would you recommend taking off the first or second week of the hunt? Thanks again for all you do, Stephen. Uh, First of all, Stephen, um, yeah, I think you have a pretty good chance of drawing uh, in regards to the dates, I think the dates of September 15th through the 28th 
are about as premium of dates as you could have for an archery season in Arizona. I think last year uh, the season started on September 9th and ran through the 22nd. And I just feel like always when the season starts that early, um, the elk aren't bugling as much. They're not herding cows as much. They're not pushing them around. Um, It is a great time early to catch some of those big bulls before they've gotten with those big groups of cows. And it's a double-edged sword because uh, they may not be as active, may not be as bugling as much, but the bigger bulls might be by themselves. So... One of the benefits of having the September 15th through the 28th dates is the bugling and the intensity uh, should be better. I believe this year the the, uh, dark moon is on September 20th. We've talked about it in other episodes. Uh, I believe with that dark moon, uh, so so on the 15th it will be uh, even a dark moon and it'll be moving into a period of darkness so five days on either side of the dark moon so the 15th and to the 25th you know that 10-day window of a fairly dark uh, moon I think will increase daytime activity which in turn will be more activity for uh, you know the you you archers to get out there and and um you know, get after those elk. So I think if you, you know, if you look at the dates of the 15th through the 28th, you have to then decide, you know, if you only have one week, which week are you going to hunt? And I think um, from a, from a bugling standpoint, I would have to go with the second week. Uh, I think that uh, what will, whether it would be, I guess, like the last week would be the 21st to the 28th. I think you'll have more consistent bugling. I think you'll have more uh, chaotic bugling. Um, but I think both weeks, the, the benefit of the first week is, you know, if you do a lot of scouting, you're going to be the first, uh, you know, the first week you're going to get the first crack at those elk. Um, you know, and that that's a plus too. But one could say that, you know, all of the pressure is going to come in on that first week and they'll, you know, might shut them down for a few days. Um, and I've seen that too, where, um, you, you know, uh, the hunt starts and it's great for the first day. And then, you know, day two, three, and four kind of lull out just because the elk have gotten pressured and, uh, they end up uh, shutting down. So, I would probably go with the second week. Um, if you if you only had seven days, I would probably go with the second week. I think you're going to get more consistent bugling. I think you'll have more cows in cycle, and I think that gives you a better opportunity uh, to uh, pursue them uh, on foot with your bow, with your cow call, and your bugle, and and uh, get after them. So, Stephen, I hope that answers your question. Um, you know, the only other drawback for hunting a second, like I said, is, you know, other people get first shot at the bulls and, um, you know, if there's a particular bull that you're after, somebody else may be taking home, taking him home. Uh, so, but in general, I think you'll just have more action on that second week. So I hope that answers your question, Stephen. Thanks for, uh, thanks for sending me the email and thanks for supporting my podcast. Got a message here from Casey Jones. He says, Jay, love the podcast. 
Uh, interesting story. My XM radio subscription expired January 1st. Instead of renewing it at over 100 bucks, I just listened to your podcast uh, and a few others nonstop. So, so thanks for saving me money, smiley face. Uh, I've learned so much over the past uh, month and a half. I put in for the draws and points in every single state for big game, and I hope you keep covering all the states as they get closer to the deadlines. Uh, I've been a part of Midwest Whitetail since the beginning. Uh, filming whitetails uh, hunts was a passion until I went on my first elk hunt four years ago, and uh, oh, how things have changed. All I can think about is uh, now is when I'm going on my next epic western hunt. Uh, this year was the first elk hunt to air on Aaron's show. As you know, uh, he killed a bull. I shot bull in Montana and New Mexico. Uh, so we're slowly getting some big game hunts on the show. I'll be in Nashville on Saturday, so if you're not swamped, I'll introduce myself. Uh, be safe on your travels to Music City. Casey Jones from Indiana. Casey, I'm sorry I didn't get to meet up with you. I'm not sure how we missed each other, uh, but uh, I did was able to bump into a bunch of uh, J. Scott podcast listeners um, and uh, share some stories and shake some hands. And uh, congratulations on uh, getting the elk fever. And I, yeah, congratulations on your success in Montana and New Mexico. And I'm glad you've got the elk bug. And I appreciate you sending me a message. And uh, hopefully I can meet up with you next time uh, that I come here to NWTF. Thanks for sending me the message. Here's an email from David. It says, Jay, I'm usually behind in my podcast listening but I was hoping you could ask at least one more question to any of the outfitters in other places, Alaska, Canada, wherever, if they cater to archery hunters or experience in taking archery hunters, especially for uh, all forms of sheep, uh, Dahl, Stone, Rocky Mountain, I don't know uh, if I'll ever be in good enough shape to complete my sheep slam, but I'm hoping in my son's lifetime that he will be able to, too and like me he is trying to do his archery as well you know david um thanks for the thanks for the message here uh you know one thing that's interesting i have outfitter buddies uh, all over and I, I will say this um i am an archery hunter uh so i don't say this um other than just to say a lot of my outfitter buddies don't frown upon archery but it's definitely one of those things that if someone is coming with a bow and they can't get it done, in essence, you know, they're, they're making bad shots or they're not in shape, it becomes a time issue. And, you know, I can see how hunters would say, you know, well, it's my hunt. I should be able to do it whenever I want. And an outfitter shouldn't, you know, dictate the time frame in which the hunt gets completed or the efficiency and I might just say there's two sides to that story um, as an archer myself I know that my job is to uh, be able to uh, you know be in shape my job is to be able to make great shots uh, and you know be be efficient with my equipment I, I think sometimes outfitters uh shy away from wanting to take archery hunters because uh if they take a rifle hunter they can you know hike up over you know six mountains up and down and and 
you know, really, really work hard to find that trophy animal. And then once they find them, they can go ahead and efficiently uh, uh, get that animal on the ground and get that animal harvested. Whereas with an archery hunter, uh, you do all of that same work and you may uh, chase that, that animal and spook them, have to relocate them and, you know, do that over and over and over. And so from an outfitter's perspective, sometimes uh, there's, there's several different types of hunters or several different types of archery hunters, some of which hunt with a bow and they're very efficient with their equipment. And then there's some that are not in shape. Uh, and there are some that are uh, not the greatest shots, don't practice all the time, don't know their equipment. And that goes with any type of hunting, whether it's rifle hunting, whether it's muzzleloader hunting, handgun hunting, uh, you know, what have you. Uh, the only thing I would say is, from an outfitter's perspective, you know, they want to work hard and find that trophy animal. And then they want to get on that animal and they want to get it harvested. So if you have seen some outfitters uh, that don't necessarily jump up and down when they hear that you're an archer, from their perspective, uh, you know, it's a function of efficiency uh, and effectiveness. And if, if you're very efficient and effective with your bow and you're in very good shape, uh, I think that's, that's, that's a great combination. I think the twist is when, uh, you, you know, you show up, you do shoot, you know, you are an archer, but you basically just shoot your bow every now and then. You don't really know your, uh, you know, your trajectory of your arrow. You don't know how, to, you know, you, you just, yeah, you're not practiced up. And, and then the big thing, you're not in shape. Um, I think that can be a huge um turn off so to speak for an outfitter who's working their butt off to do their job um so i mean i i hope that brings a different perspective uh, as an archery hunter myself i know that i owe it to the outfitter um that you know if he does his job and you know puts me on an animal that i can get over there and get it get it harvested um and you know know my equipment and sometimes I've guided archery hunters that really have no business archery hunting. And, and in essence, they become archery hunters just because that's the only way to draw a certain tag, but they don't put in the effort and the work to, um, you know, do what they need to do and get their job done. And I don't think that's acceptable. Um, I think, I think you need to be in tip-top shape if you're an archer. I don't see any excuse why, you know, there would be an archer that's not in shape because, you know, whereas a rifle hunter, you know, can shoot something at, you know, two, three, four hundred yards away, the archery hunt just begins when you get to that hundred-yard, you know, mark where you have to then get in tighter to that animal. And I have seen hunters that show up that are, you know, they haven't worked out. Uh, they haven't done any running or walking or walking with the backpack and, you know, they're tuckered out after the first stock. So I don't know if that answers your question, but I have seen outfitter friends of mine that do frown upon archery. And uh, if you ever wonder why, I think I, I, I covered some of those reasons. Uh, with that being said, I don't need to get a bunch of emails or, 
you know, people saying that I'm anti-archery because I'm not. I am an archery hunter. I'm just trying to bring in perspective from the outfitter's point of view why sometimes uh, archery, uh, you know, is quote-unquote frowned upon um, because I know a lot of my uh, outfitter buddies have had the same thing where people show up and they're just physically not ready for the hunt. Uh, They're mentally not ready for the hunt. And, uh, yeah, they're an archer. That means they shoot their bow. But I think there's a lot more to uh, being an archery hunter than just being able to, you know, draw back and shoot a bow. I hope that answers your question. You do have a second part here. It says, I guess I don't know how to rate the podcast, but they are great. And I really appreciate being able to listen to them while I'm driving down the road every day. I'm not sure if this is something you can fix or it's a problem with me listening to them in my truck, but sometimes the volume between you and your caller are very different where I have to turn up the volume to listen to you and then I have to turn down the volume to listen to them. Not a complaint by any means. Just don't know if it's my podcast in my truck or others are experiencing the same issue from time to time. David, I would say no, it's a very valid issue and I did get some uh, uh, email complaints and direct message complaints on Instagram. Uh, I had a series of podcast episodes, uh, about four or five episodes, uh, maybe six episodes, where I had some complication between my uh, recording device and and the Skype. And I have since, I believe, had that figured out. I was able to level out the the audio. And no, guys, anytime that you see any type of issue like that, um, you know, I I need to know about it. And I I got some emails about it. And so I believe I've got it fixed. Uh, I believe I've got it, uh, you know, uh, completed. And, um, you know, I've gotten a lot of reports that the audio is much better. And uh, I appreciate any feedback that you guys have, uh, whether it's positive or negative. Uh, and, and certainly I'll, I do my best to, uh, provide the best service that I can. So certainly, uh, I played them in my truck as well. And, and I definitely saw, uh, what you were talking about and hopefully I've got that fixed that, uh, David, thanks for your, uh, email and, um, good luck to you, uh, this year hunting. Got an email here from Dave Myrick with uh, Desert Christian Archers. Uh, guys, I just want to remind you, Dark Holborn and myself will be doing a spring turkey hunting uh, seminar uh, March 21st in Phoenix, Arizona at the uh, Calvary Church. Uh, I don't have the address right here, but the Calvary Church is basically down off of I-17. Believe somewhere between that cactus and Thunderbird area, it's you can see Calvary Church uh, off the west side of I-17 Freeway. It's just west of I-17, uh, and uh, we've uh, did the seminar there last year. Uh, we bring in a bunch of videos, and um, then we're going to do a question and answer style. So we're going to talk for a little bit, do do somewhat of a seminar, uh, show some videos, uh, do a little bit of um, instruction and demonstration and then we're going to do a question and answer session everybody that shows up they're expecting a really big crowd uh one thing i will also note is uh they will be doing a gould's turkey hunt raffle for ten dollars a ticket um you can put in 
uh, buy raffle tickets for $10 to come on a Gould's turkey hunt with uh, Dar Colburn and myself down in Sonora, Mexico. Uh, one winner will be drawn uh, that night at the uh, DCA uh, turkey hunting seminar. So on March 21st, they will be drawing. You will be able to buy tickets at the at the uh, seminar, uh, but you can also go and buy your tickets uh, right now online, uh, desertchristianarchers.org. That's desertchristianarchers.org forward slash raffles forward slash turkey hunt. And um, Desert Christian Archers is a 501c3 nonprofit. Uh, it, 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 this is a 501c3 nonprofit donation. Uh, they fall under that category. Can also come to the seminar and buy your raffle tickets, and then they're going to have the drawing. Uh, this is for a 2018 uh, spring uh, Gould's turkey hunt. Uh, if I still have availability in 17, we can possibly do it. Uh, in 17, uh, one of Dave's uh, concerns was that if they announced the hunt on March 21st, they were worried that uh, there would not be enough time for the winner to, to plan and schedule. So we call it a 2018 uh, spring hunt. Uh, it should take place sometime between about the last week in April to the first two weeks in May. And uh, you can go on Colburn and scottoutfitters.com to see more about our turkey hunts. Also, I have a Gould's Turkey exclusive website. Uh, that's Gould's, that's G-O-U-L-D-S, Turkey Hunt, Gould's Turkey Hunt.com, and uh, can watch the videos, and, and uh, it's a great opportunity to support uh, Desert Christian Archers uh, and also have a chance to uh, win a uh, Gould's turkey hunt. Here's a message from uh, Jeremy Hubbard. Jay, I'm enjoying the podcast. Loads of Arizona hunting knowledge to add to my Oregon background. We have a group of four who want to hunt this year. Half of us are experienced uh, deer and elk hunters elsewhere, Oregon and Colorado. None of us have points locally. What's our best shot at getting antler deer tags this year, group application or solo applications? Uh, based on our math, this is the order we want to apply for mule deer. 20A, 19B, 17B, 19A, 6B, or 6A. Any tips for drawing or specific area-specific tips? Any areas you anticipate having leftover tags for coups for options 3, 4, and 5 on the application? Uh, looking for freezer filler the, this first year, Jeremy. Uh, Jeremy... Uh, I am going to cover uh, the deer and bighorn sheep applications a little bit closer to the deadline. Um, I will say that uh, there are rifle mule deer hunt opportunities, although most of the mule deer hunts in Arizona that have you know, a really good chance to draw, they also have a lot of hunting pressure and uh you know the hunts are not super high quality if you're just looking to harvest bucks of any sort uh, these may be great opportunities for you to you know just fill the freezer and get some meat um, but we're going to be breaking down uh, all of the uh, applications as it gets closer the deadline usually is about the uh, 10th of june 
somewhere in that range. And normally the regulations for the, the, the deer and sheep regulations don't come out till about turkey season, uh, which is usually about kind of mid-April to the end of April. And I will point out that if you guys do want to hunt with your bows with archery equipment, um, that is probably going to be your best option. You can buy tags over the counter and you can hunt in August. Uh, and you can also hunt uh, units in December and in January. So as far as uh, you, you know, a rutting activity, I think your best opportunity is to hunt with a bow in January in the state of Arizona where most of our units uh, are open. I think that gives you a really good opportunity if you're strictly a rifle hunter. If you're strictly a rifle hunter, um, yes, you may um, have to stick with some of these other units. I'll get more into it as we get closer. Thanks for your question. Here's a question from Casey. He says, do you know if youth hunts need hunter safety to apply for bonus points? I would like to start building bonus points for my son, uh, but he's only three years old. Thanks for your help. Love the podcast, Casey. Uh, Casey, you cannot uh, start applying for bonus points until you're 10 years old. So um, I, I get to ask this question a lot. Can I start building bonus points for my son or daughter? Um, the answer is you can, but not until they're 10 years old. Uh, you, have to, uh, you have to be uh, 10 in order to get bonus points. Here's a message from my friend Greg Weisner from Aspen, Colorado. He said, I just thought I would let you know our snowpack in the uh, Aspen area is 164% of normal. Fishing has been ridiculous. Take care, Greg Weisner. Greg, uh, that's great news. I'm looking forward to another great season this summer. For the listeners out there that don't know, I spend uh, the last half of May after my Gould's turkey hunts, uh, June, July, and August in Carbondale, Colorado, and uh, do a lot of fishing there on the Roaring Fork River, uh, the Frying Pan River, uh, the Colorado River, and the Eagle River. Um, and it's great to see Colorado having a lot of snow. That makes for lots of good water in the summer. Uh, one drawback, there's always you know, kind of an ebb and flow uh, with too much snow. Uh, we fear some uh, winter winter die off on some of our deer herds there in Colorado. So I hope there's a happy medium there where the temperatures aren't too cold and the snow isn't too deep. Uh, that and hopefully those deer can survive. Uh, you know, another if they can make it another 30 days without the temps getting too severe, um, that would be fantastic. So we would have good water for fishing, and we would have. Um, you know, no winter kill. It's going to be interesting to see um, what damage has already been done. Uh, I know the Gunnison Basin area uh, back in 2007 had a, had a severe uh, die-off, and our herds have just just got back, not to even where they were, but they really rebounded and are doing well, and we're probably facing uh, another situation. So I just hope... Uh, you know they've had some warm weather as of late, so I'm hoping that we've uh, we skip out of that and uh, don't have any die-off. But thanks for the message, Greg. Here's a message from Lance Kronberger. Uh, Lance is uh, the owner of uh, Freelance Outdoor Adventures. 
in Alaska. I p- applied for dull sheep in Alaska and the Chugach and the Toke and uh, just got a message from him that I was not successful in drawing a dull sheep hunt in, in Alaska, but I am happy to report that I drew uh, a mountain goat, actually Dar Colburn, my hunting partner and guiding partner, and I put in uh, in Alaska for mountain goats with Frank Sanders, uh, and uh, Frank uh, has a great outfitting business, and uh, I had a podcast with him, oh, about a month ago. And we, Dar and I, applied for the first time there for mountain goats with uh, Frank and uh, with Frank Sanders. And uh, we drew. Uh, so Dar and I, uh, in August of this coming year, 2017, are going to Alaska uh, mountain goat hunting. And we're super stoked about that. I actually... I was here at the National Wild Turkey Federation uh, convention and uh, got the word uh, from Dar and from Frank uh, that uh, we had drawn uh, mountain goat tags. So super stoked for that. Also, um, I guess while we're on that subject of doll sheep, uh, I actually have a hunt booked uh, in 2018, uh, in July of 2018, uh, for doll sheep in the Northwest Territories. Um, so this goat hunt, um, is going to be a great addition to, uh, mountain, mountain hunting, which, uh, Dar and I really enjoy. And, uh, we've, we have not been to Alaska on a hunt and we have not been to the Northwest Territory. So, uh, I'm stoked about, uh, mountain goats in Alaska, as well as, uh, the Northwest Territories going to get to hunt, uh, white sheep, going to get to hunt the doll sheep there. Um, so super excited about that new new adventure and a kind of a new chapter in my uh, own hunting career and it's something that both animals a mountain goat and a doll sheep of uh, something that I've wanted to um, go experience and do so so it's going to be a great opportunity um, for Dara and I on the mountain goat hunt and then uh, I'm going to go solo uh, on a backpacking hunt in northwest territories. I had a really good time uh, here in Nashville at the National Wild Turkey Federation um, convention. Uh, I stayed uh, at the Opryland Hotel, uh, which is where the convention was, and it's really uh, a great place if you've never been to the Opryland Hotel. Uh, it's it's a really neat place. Um, you walk in and there's these big atrium areas, and then you look up and it's like a glass ceiling and uh, just beautiful, um, beautiful. Uh, never had to walk outside, although the weather was fairly pleasant. It was kind of in the 60s, and they're kind of having a warm spell. Uh, the third uh, uh, warmest winter on, on record here in Nashville, Tennessee. Uh, but I was able to uh, go through and walk the convention floor, and and uh, I always love collecting box calls, and I was able to go to a... Du- bunch of different booths and play with a bunch of different turkey calls and and uh, box calls and pot and peg calls and uh, I I was able to get uh, three new box calls that I think sound really good and and I'm kind of a collector and kind of a box call junkie um, so that that was fun I got to watch uh, the uh, calling competitions with Bo Brooks uh, competing in the intermediate division I was able also able to uh, watch the uh, senior senior finals 
Um, there was f uh, 15, maybe 14 that made the top, uh, uh, made it through the preliminaries. I believe there was 60 or 70 guys in the preliminaries. They dropped it down to 14, maybe 15 guys. Um, and uh, Jesse Martin actually won uh, his first uh, Grand National Calling title. And it was, um, it was a great uh, ex exhibition of uh, turkey calling. They actually did the um, uh, contest a little different this year. Uh, they had scenarios. They had one and two scenarios. And uh, the callers had to play out in their runs the different scenarios. The first scenario was a springtime scenario uh, with birds on a limb to flying down um, with, with all the different sounds. Uh, and then they had a fall bird scenario where I believe there was two jakes fighting uh, some young hens and older hens, you know, kind of fighting for attention, uh, trying to gather up some of their poults. Um, so uh, it was uh, a, a great uh, exhibit of, of calling expertise. And uh, I always love coming and listening to the best callers in the world. And uh, I'm sorry I missed the Western Hunting Expo, uh, but it was great to get to come here. I also was able to talk to a lot of people about uh, my Gould's turkey hunts uh, and met a lot of fine people. Uh, had some great dinners, uh, had, had fun seeing, uh, Bo Brooks and Casey Brooks and their whole family. And, uh, they're calling, uh, here, I've got to put everything up to, uh, get on the plane. Uh, guys, we're going to have a bunch of great stuff coming here on the podcast. I want to thank you guys for your support. Uh, I want to thank, uh, my sponsors, uh, Gohan Insider, uh, uh, and uh, the Outdoorsmans uh, for their support uh, here of my podcast. And I've got some really big things uh, coming with announcements here. I'll be able to probably talk about over, here, over probably the next week or so uh, going on here. And I just appreciate your support. Uh, please uh, email me if you have any questions or comments. You can do that at uh, jscottoutdoors at gmail.com. Uh, you can follow along our adventures on Instagram at J. Scott Outdoors and my Facebook page, uh, J. Scott Outdoors uh, Business. Uh, it's actually just J. Scott Outdoors, but it's my business page. I also have a personal page on Facebook, but I don't post much content there. Uh, most everything is on the J. Scott Outdoors Facebook page. So, uh, guys, uh, yeah, I'm going to get on this flight and head back to Arizona. I've got some... Uh, trips to Mexico plan, scouting some new ranches for coos deer and for Gould's turkey. Uh, and, uh, yeah, just uh, love this time of year, getting prepared for turkey season. Uh, the fishing on all the uh, desert lakes are starting to pick up. And um, just, uh, yeah, fired up to be a sportsman. And I'm um, looking forward to applying in the state of Utah. Of course, I drew my Utah elk tag last year, but we're going to we're going to be talking about uh, Utah, and uh, we're going to be breaking down uh, some of the different state uh, draws and odds here. So uh, stay tuned, and I'm going to keep trying to bring you uh, good content here. Thanks for your support.